You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Hey, Connect Community. Welcome to another service online. Another online service. We're coming to you from Houston, Texas. Yes. Before we start the conversation, which I'm really excited about, I got to tell you, you just saw a Connect News video giving you a report uh, of our uh, Water for DR drive. Mm-hmm. And since we've recorded that video, because we recorded that video on Monday, we had donations come in during that day. Wow. And we're actually not only giving $5,000 toward it, we're giving $6,000 toward it. An extra thousand dollars came in. Wow! And uh, and we so we're so ecstatic. Well, I can't do math right now, but it's twenty five people. Fifty bucks is twenty five people for a year. So, so it's yeah, like, it's the half half of the amount is so. Six thousand dollars would give water for three thousand people, but that six thousand dollars is being added. Fifty percent is being added to that by an angel donor. So it's nine thousand dollars that is being given, which means forty five hundred people will get water. For a year that because of you. It's awesome. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's amazing. And uh, I'm glad I took math in school. Yes. Uh, I apparently can... skipped that class. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's get started with our brand new series for this month. We're running this series from today all the way to, to May 2nd. And as a reminder, next Sunday we are together in person as well as April 25th. We're going so to be together. Back to back. Sentence. Back to back. April 18th <clears throat> and pray April 25th. Yes. In person at Connect Community in Rip, at Ripple and Middle School. So a seat at the table is the name of our message. And uh, as we start this conversation, uh, I want to ask you to pause and think about how many decisions, how many important decisions, how many conversations, how many life altering um situations happened in your life while sitting at a table a lot of them you remember our first date yes milford connecticut tgif jeez that was we, a, we were just a kids table i didn't know it was a date <laughs> i remember that as our first date okay although we weren't like uber we weren't, romantic yeah but um okay there was a spark yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> but for you it might have been the same that first date, that business deal, the wedding party, um, you know, that innocent lunch that it wasn't supposed to lead to anything. Mm-hmm. So there are good things and not so good things mm-hmm. that happen around the table. The pink slip. That's right. The not so good. Yeah. yeah. Sharing a meal with somebody, having food, lunch, dinner. It's one of the most intimate things you can do because you're not just really eating it opens your heart for dialogue. It opens your, your heart for uh, um, getting to the next level. And it lowers your defenses. Isn't that true? Yeah, I think um, it's an immediate um, de-escalator yeah. right, of awkwardness yes. and everything. So it does that, that too. Yes. At the table, you come to the table and you eat and you drink and you rest. Yeah. Now, I want to I think about some of the instances where Jesus, where Jesus sat at the table with people. Because this is what this series is about. As we progress, we want to talk about 
Jesus is having conversations at the table with his followers. And that can relate to you and I in a much greater way that we might think. Because Jesus has some amazing conversations. Yeah, and it, it's like people would come to his table with their defenses down. Yeah. And then conversations yeah. would start, right? Yeah. And the, the beauty of Jesus' table is that you find all kinds of people. All kinds of people. Right? There, there was no, only these people could sit at the table with him. And that's what happened with this passage that we're going to explore today. Because um, Jesus calls Matthew. Mm-hmm. And we can deduce that um, he then has a dinner with Matthew and his friends. Now, Matthew, for those of you who don't know, was a tax collector. And a tax collector in those days was not well looked upon. He was worse than an enemy. Yeah, he was the person you don't want to sit at the table with. Yes, because a tax collector betrayed their people. Imagine that, right, America gets taken over by another country, right? Just imagine that that happens. And imagine that that country begins to tax all of us here in the United States. And imagine that now you have people from your family, people from your neighborhood that says, I'll be that guy. I'll be that guy that will work for the enemy and come and collect taxes from my own people. Yeah. How would you feel about that guy? Because the enemy still has, it, 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 they have a motivation, right? They don't have any attachments. So Matthew was worse than an enemy. He was a traitor. Yeah. Matthew would be like, you should know yeah. better. You should know better. Yeah. And Jesus calls him to follow him. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So, let's read the passage. It's found Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, if you're taking notes. And this is the moment Jesus calls Matthew. Matthew himself is writing this. As Jesus passed on from here, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who have no need of a physician, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." What a powerful, powerful message that encompasses the heart and the ministry of Jesus Mm -hmm. and the restoration of God's plan to reconcile all people. The Pharisees thought they were 100% in the right. Now, here's what I want you to notice, every single one of you. As our culture moves away from Christian principles, as our surroundings move from a Bible-centered mind way, mind, mindset, because we cannot deny that this culture had its roots in the scriptures, in, in the Christian Judeo principle. As we move away to a secular mindset, have you noticed that we become more religious about things? People act more like Pharisees as they move away from Christ. It's interesting, right? Yeah. They become more... Religious. Dogmatic. Yeah. Now, when I say religious, I don't mean that you have a religion because you don't have to be religious to be religious about something. Right? Self-righteous. Religious. 
We, we say that somebody is religious about their workout. Somebody is religious about their finances. Somebody is religious about... And the, the way that we apply the word religious is for self-righteousness. But we don't think... We think of regiment. We think of... Uh, um, so religious without religion. Religious means to be stiff. Mm. Unbending. Unyielding. Right? Okay. Unyielding. Like you're religious about something. Okay. Dogmatic. Yeah. So... You can be religious about grammar. You can be religious about how do you organize things in your in your house or how you organize things in your company. And then the, the thing is that when you're religious about something, you have a feeling toward those who don't act like you. And that's what the Pharisees. Yeah, you almost feel like. better than them in that area. You do feel better than them. Yeah, so, you don't want to say that, but so you do. <laughs> there, there's something about somebody who loves fitness. But there's something else about somebody who is religious about fitness. A person who's religious and about fitness most likely will feel superior. And I say this cautiously, will feel superior to those who don't exercise. Yeah. They feel like they have a leg up on them. Those who are, I mentioned grammar, those who are religious about grammar, they feel superior compared to those who spell your, supposed to be you are, <laughs> Without the apostrophe and the E? Yeah. Yeah. You see it in the comment lines? Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, you got to notice this, that Jesus did not criticize their devotion, not even their zeal. Jesus didn't tell the Pharisees, hey, you got to relax, man. You're way too uptight. He didn't criticize that. He didn't criticize their religion. He criticized, he criticized how they dealt with those who their weren't. lack of compassion. Yes. For the others. He was showing them that they were missing the point. So when you're religious about something, that part of you is not, it's not bad. You're bettering yourself. You're, you're, you're into fitness. You, you like grammar. You, I don't know why I'm picking on grammar people because I'm a grammar person. Maybe I'm preaching to myself. But <laughs> you, there are certain things about you that you like and that you devote yourself to. That's not what Jesus was addressing. Mm. Go for it, man. Like, read, get better, be excellent. But how do you treat others is, is the point. Because if you are excellent at something, why aren't you bringing them along on the journey? Why aren't you showing them the way? Why aren't you bringing and shining the light? Because above all of the religiousness, what Jesus was saying is that above all the devotion that we carry, there is something that is supreme. There's something that, that is above that. And that's the mission of Christ. That's why Christ said, I want you to go and learn what this means. You know, it's interesting. It's almost easier, though, to be religious than to go for what Jesus brought. Yeah. It's easier to be, because it only involves you, and mm -hmm. you can self-discipline yourself to the end, right? Like You can yeah. self-discipline and handle yourself. What Jesus was bringing and bringing to light was something that was a bit harder, yeah. which is to offer compassion and to bring others along. It's harder. It is harder. It's like I can be... Because when you are religious about something, you're developing yourself and you have control of yourself. Yeah. And you usually only are only religious about things that you're good at, like yeah. that you could do well. Yeah. You're, you're not, you know, self-righteous about the stuff that you fail at. Yes. You're exactly. self-righteous about the stuff that you're good at and it comes exactly. easy to you or that you have worked hard enough to get where it's easy. That's such or, a great point. You we, know, we go within the flow of our capacities. Our capacities, our tendencies. Yes. Some of us are better at being, you know. And that's not a bad thing. But how can you learn from one another? 
but because, that's, because that person that you're judging that's not as good as you might be good at something that you're something not good else at. that you're not good you're not at. Even taking the interest Mm-mm. to make the exchange no, no. and make each other better. No, that's so instead, good. Instead, you're like, let me so rub in their face what I'm yeah. good at, right? Exactly. And I don't know. Yeah. I think Jesus was trying to bring the the aspect of community and that we better one another. Yeah. Even in our, you know, not remove your your religiousness, yeah. but bring it work, back bring yeah. it back work it in well so let's go to the passage that jesus was quoting um as we close here because we want to bring this to an application right uh jesus was quoting hosea 6 verse 6 which says this for i desire steadfast love or mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of god rather than burned offerings so in this method of writing when they when they put two phrases that are similar right there you make a connection you make a a a relationship between the first and the second part so desire steadfast love or mercy and the knowledge of god those are one thing Mm -hmm. love comes to the knowledge of god Mm -hmm. mercy comes as we grow to know the lord not as we grow to know ourselves yeah as we grow to know god and sacrifice and burnt offerings are the same thing. So if we look at sacrifice to, in, a, in a secular mindset, right? Uh, let's think of sacrifice. Just strip it a little bit from the theological context. And a quick definition that I wrote for sacrifice is this. A sacrifice is something of value that is offered as a sign of devotion to something or someone. Something of value that you offer as a sign of devotion to something or someone. Waking up early in the morning so that you can um, work out or you can meditate or you can whatever. That's a sacrifice. You're offering that... for betterment, yeah. right? For or of yourself, or if you're offering it for someone else, yeah. or, you know, whatever. That's a sacrifice. Yes. But so, I guess that that's a picture of of what you're saying, right? Yes, like, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, and that's that's the picture that I wanted to paint. Like, if if we think of a sacrifice, it's it's delay gratification, right? Yeah. You make an investment now so that you can reap later. That's not a bad thing. No, it's a great thing. That's a good thing. Um, but what we need to pay attention to is at the expense of what are we doing that? Yeah. Who are we willing to uh, hurt in the process? Who are we willing to ignore in the process? So what the scripture is saying is not that, G- that God does not like sacrifices. No, he commands sacrifices. We are to practice that. But he prefers what is more supreme, what is better, is, is the knowledge of God and steadfast love, consistent love. But the kind of sacrifice that this passage is talking about uh, is when we feel the right to reject or alienate people because of our sacrifice. Right? That's so important. I have to do this. I have to sacrifice the people I love. I have to sacrifice like those that are... Yeah. For instance... Um Choosing your job over your family. Yes. You see, this This is a common sacrifice we see mm-hmm. that is um, really against 
Like it shouldn't be, right? It's not. And that's the, the number one regret, regret of, of people, people in their deathbed. Their, yeah, it's like they, I sacrificed yeah. my family at the altar of my yeah. job. Never yeah. saw them. Yeah. Never, you know, I missed the great years of my kids because yeah. I was working the whole time and I didn't see any. And of that's it. the drive of our culture. Mm-hmm. Now there are seasons that. You know, no, I mean, you got to pass a test. You got to yeah, have a deadline. It's not a season thing, but people but when will you do create this. a habit out of, mm-hmm, yeah. of sacrificing people for the sake yeah. of, you know, gains mm-hmm. and um, monetary gains or even position and power gains mm-hmm. and things that at the end of your life, you see that that was yeah. not it didn't bring fulfillment. It yeah. didn't bring joy. And it wasn't what God had designed. for. Yeah. And if you're a Christian, if you are a follower of Christ. You could even take pride in your sacrifice as you are devoted to God. Mm-hmm. Your devoted devotion to the Lord, how often you go to church, how often you pray, how often you read your scripture. And that can lead your heart to feel superior, to feel like everybody else who's not acting like you. They're sinners and that's why they're living the way they're living. That's why they're reaping what they're sowing. And there's no mercy. There's no sense of... of um, of uh, compassion for what they're going through because you th- you feel like they're getting what they deserve because they're not as good of a Christian as you are. Yeah. That can happen It too. reminds me of the passage that says our best efforts are like filthy rags. Yes. In that sense, it's like we forget that, that, you know. Yeah, we're a lot closer to the sinner than we are to, the, to Jesus yeah. and God in our efforts. Yeah. yeah. It's only by His grace. I'm reminded of a passage... Um, As we close this idea of sacrifice, it's a story that uh, is told in 1 Samuel. And this story, uh, to give you context, Samuel was a judge over Israel. He was not a king. He was not a president. He was uh, a prophet. And he was also the priest. So he was the last uh, priest that ruled over the nation. When he was priest over the nation the nation decided that they wanted to have a king like every other nation. So they came to Samuel. Uh, It seems in the story that Samuel felt like that was him uh, failing at his job, even though he was a man of God, uh, devoted to God and did everything right. He was a righteous man. He came to God and felt like he was was failing at his job. And God said, no, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Uh, But I have picked somebody to be their king. But what happens is, Saul becomes king, the very first king of the nation of Israel. And uh, as the kingdom progresses through Samuel, God gives him an assignment. And the assignment was to go to the enemy camp and destroy everything. Um, Saul goes to the enemy camp. And because the people pressured him, he doesn't destroy everything. He keeps the best of it, including the king himself. And so this is what happened uh, as a consequence of that. Samuel comes to Saul, and this is what he says. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying in the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is a sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Wow. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 22 and 23. This is heartbreaking. Because he's a guy that felt so sure of himself that he went and did what he wasn't supposed to do. 
And the fact that God says, hey, you can sacrifice all you want, but if you don't obey, if you don't listen to the instructions, if you don't follow what I'm asking you to do, you've missed the point. It's the same thing that Jesus was saying. That's what Jesus, that was the heart of Jesus. Jesus wasn't breaking the law. He put things in proper order. He said, listen, sure you got to avoid sin, but learn this. I, I, I prefer mercy and steadfast love to sacrifices. Yeah. And there's also the component there that the Lord was, that Jesus was bringing to himself those that were not near him, right? Yes. What God is saying is, hey, there's a still a group of people out there who don't even know me yet. Yeah. Stop putting barriers for them to come yes. to know me. Yes. You're putting rituals and, and, and laws and things in front of them because they have to measure up and yeah. be like you. Yeah. But no, no, no. I'm still trying to draw them in yeah. and I'm still trying to bring them into the fold. Yeah. You know? it, is, it is the mercy and compassion and love that will be the step toward transformation. Yeah, and yeah. obviously these laws and things that we, you know, that the Pharisees followed and that yeah. we follow is for purification, is for coming yeah. closer to God, and it's for our betterment. Yeah. But you can't require somebody to go through the, the purification process before the knowledge of Christ. Yeah. And yeah. so when Jesus is sitting at the table with these sinners, mm -hmm. he is like, hey, I'm trying to show them who I am. Then we'll talk about yeah. anything else. You know, if they believe, if they want, if they're engaging, then we'll talk about the other things. But you guys are putting the horse in front of the carriage in front of the horse. Yeah. Like you're going in wrong. And what yeah, what happens sometimes, taking back to the Pharisees, right, is that we can be so sure of ourselves that we never even consider that we might be wrong. That too. And if, if you bring that into the spiritual side, into your relationship with God, you can get to a rhythm in your study of the scriptures, in your prayer, that nothing, nothing challenges you anymore. Yeah. It doesn't challenge your behavior. It doesn't challenge how you think. God is never molding. If, if God has stopped molding you, God is not active in your life. If it, I heard someone say this, right? If your God doesn't disagree with you, then you're your God. Yeah. If you're always right in the eyes of your God, your God is in the mirror. Yeah, it's just like you're yeah. it. You, you if know, you're always right in the eyes of your God, your God is in the mirror. Uh, because God will confront us yeah. as we pray, as we read the scriptures, it will confront us, but it's not going to confront us in a condemning, alienating way. No, God confronts us in a loving, merciful, come close to me yeah. way. And that's what Jesus was doing with Matthew. Matthew didn't continue to be a tax collector. Yeah. He, he didn't continue that. to defraud people. Mm -hmm. He left that life behind. And he did so not because somebody was pointing their fingers at you and saying, Hey, sinner, you're wrong. Stop doing what you're doing. It was because Jesus said, Come follow me. me. Mm -hmm. Come learn from him, me. I'm, I'm humble. It was the steadfast love of yes. God, the mercy of God that drew yeah. him into a relationship. And then things changed. So how can we live more mercifully? How can we follow Jesus's uh, instructions that we saw on the video and that we read in the scriptures? What does steadfast love look like today for religious and irreligious people? Because if we look at our culture, we're becoming more and more like the Pharisees. The cancel culture, that's religious people. Yeah. 
uh, people who are dividing us into tribes and if you don't think like me I don't like you yeah that's religious people I think we have to be so stop being so um, irreverent in a sense um, towards difference yeah towards we just we, the uh, embracing people where they are does not equate to their right or, That's not or even it. agreeing it's not with agreeing them. it's not excusing yeah. their sin it's not Jesus never said they weren't sinners yeah he said it is the sinners or it is the sick who need yeah. a doctor he didn't say they were fine yeah right so we can embrace exactly. people and love them where they are with what they're doing and still be like look I don't agree with what you're doing right yes. we can it, the conversation can be had yeah right but it does not does not equate not loving or you keep them far away or yeah. you don't sit with them or you don't know we get muddy yes we get you yes. know in the same pool here yes right i think about i think about the family environment mm -hmm. and i think everyone can relate here whether you've had a great family or a bad family whether you were loved or you were not loved as you should be uh, in your family you can relate because if you've had a bad experience growing up if you've been uh, submitted to abuse, you know that that's not what was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. So for those people, generally when they become parents, they become fearfully parents. But they know one thing, I'm not going to behave that way because that's not how someone is supposed to be raised. Mm -hmm. Now on the other end, if you are raised in a loving environment, you, you sense the benefits and you know this is how it's supposed to be. It's the same principle that must be applied because the people who are behaving in ways that we know are wrong, they're defrauding, they're stealing, they're, they're hurting people, they're murdering, they're doing all these things that are really hard, really bad. And some of them are not as bad. It's just different of opinions, right? Difference of, of thoughts and way of life. Those people probably are not close to the father. They probably haven't had a relationship, most likely, with the father that was embedded in the fear and the love of God that brought them to a sense of repentance and, and a desire to become who God has called them to be, right? Mm -hmm. And our approach should be, man, I can't wait for that person to be connected to God and be transformed and changed. Mm-hmm. That should, should, that should baptize our prayers. That should change the way we think. So the co-worker that sits next to you, the person that you deal with daily, maybe a client, maybe someone in your family that you might constantly disagree with. You might have tried sacrifice. I have the right to behave the way I am behaving. I have the right to confront this person. I have the right to tell them that they are wrong. And maybe you do have the right. But what if we, you put these values in proper order and you act as Christ is calling us to act and you say, I'm going to act in mercy. I'm going to put mercy and steadfast love and the knowledge of God above my sense of righteousness. Yeah. And I'm going to treat them with love. I wonder what that would happen. Well, the return will be better. I wonder what would happen to that relationship. Well, we've seen it. 
I don't wonder. I see it. <laughs> We've seen it time to yes. time. Think about the relationships that have gone to the next level in your life. All yeah. of them involved. You had a conflict. Yeah. And instead of walking away and not going to that, t- not sitting at the table anymore, you decided we're going to figure this out. Yeah. And we're going to wrestle with it. Yeah. And at the end, doesn't mean that you saw eye to eye. You could yeah. still disagree. Yet, you loved each other through it and the yeah. process. And it's the same here. Like, if you shun people because you disagree or yes. they're doing something that is wrong uh-huh. or you push people away, you will not gain that relationship no. and you will not lead them to Jesus. It's yeah. just you don't. What happens is every time you are willing to show mercy, to show um, kindness, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, yeah. right? And that kindness is often shown through us. Mm-hmm. And so if you are willing to sit at the table and have the conversations and push through the discomfort, yeah. push through, um, you know, because it is uncomfortable, yeah. especially when you don't understand. Like, mm. Why are they behaving that way? You just mm-hmm. don't get it. Like, it's yeah. wrong. It should, isn't it common sense to you? Yeah. You know? And so if you're willing to push through that, if you're willing to sit at the table and have yeah. the conversations and show love and show mercy and genuinely love people through it, you will see. You will see their lives be changed yeah. you will see your life be changed you will see god draw them near you will see like the stuff that you actually want to see yes you will see more people come to the fold we want to give you an opportunity right now to make jesus the lord of your life we do this at every service and maybe you're watching this maybe you're listening to this conversation on a podcast and you know you need to reconnect to god because you need to go to the next level you've understood sacrifices but you have come you have not known God. You have not come to the point of mercy and steadfast love yet. And maybe what you've encountered is the Pharisee trying to tell you about God instead of the mercy of Jesus inviting you into a relationship. Maybe your experience has been, you know what, people came at me with a bunch of things that I should do or stop doing, but they never told me about the mercy and love of Jesus. They never invited me in apart from trying to change Never, my behavior. Never invited you to the table. Yeah. Well, Jesus invites you to the table. That's right. To come to the table, to mm-hmm. have us to sit with Him at the table, mm-hmm. and to learn from Him. Mm-hmm. Would you do that today? Very simply, we want to lead you on a prayer that will begin that relationship with God. If you don't mind, closing your eyes and praying after me, say, "Dear Jesus, yes. come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Mm-hmm. Forgive me of my sins." Forgive me of my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. And I ask you, God, that you may shape my mind and my heart to prefer love, to prefer mercy, to prefer knowing you to sacrifices. Just as you are, I want to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. Listen, if you pray that simple prayer, we believe something new began. We ask you to pray just like that every single day. Start your day with a prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get a Bible on Sunday, next Sunday. If you don't have one, we will give you one. Mm-hmm. And begin to read the Bible every day. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, the life of Jesus. If you've never read the Bible, that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. And we want to encourage you to come back to Connect Community as often as you can. If you live near Stanford, We invite you to come in. We are in a every other week schedule right now during this pandemic. It's been great to come together. Kids' environments are open for kids Mm -hmm. from ages 4 to 7. If you have small children, we make it safe. Bring them in. uh, And we would love to see you in person 
next Sunday at Ripple Middle School on High Ridge Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, until then, we love you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He shine His face upon you. And may the Lord give you peace today. We love you, everybody. See you next week. Yes. Bye.